Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Um, no, when Mike texted me and asked me if I wanted to cover, I was like, yeah, I think I can do that. And I just really prayed about what I should talk about. And the Lord really laid on my heart waiting because I think that we always are waiting for something no matter our age. And so I think back to, you know, like when you're a kid and you wait for Christmas or when you can't wait to be 16 and get a car or you can't wait to graduate high school and finally get to college or uh, recently we can't wait for the pandemic to be over, you know, we're always waiting. So I want to talk to you this morning about what are you doing with your waiting? I remember when my son Christian was little, he would come down every morning and he would come up and put his nose right on my nose and say, this mom is the light time. And I'd be like, it is like zero dark 30, buddy, go back to bed. He's like, no, it's the light time. And I remember thinking, Lord Jesus, just uh, when this kid can finally sleep through the night, I just can't wait. And then it was like, oh, I cannot wait for that kid to get potty trained. And then I think about what I did with my waiting because now it's beautiful. He's 18 in two months. Like, what did I do with the waiting? I was always waiting for the next thing, right? I mean, he is potty trained, so we're good there. So, but anyway, like, like, what are you guys waiting for? We're always waiting on something. Are you waiting for the perfect job? Are you waiting to see if God's gonna give you a baby? Um, are you gonna wait for your heart to heal? Are you wait, what are you waiting for? Um, but I'm gonna tell you, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. What we're guaranteed is right here, right now. And that's what we have. I'm gonna tell you through waiting, we can have a lot of whys. Why me? Why now? Why? It makes me think about our life as this big, beautiful picture, this masterpiece that's actually a puzzle that God gives us one piece at a time and we have to trust him. So as our puzzle's being put together, we just have to trust God to give us that one piece at the right time. So I'm gonna tell you guys about my last six years of waiting. Um, some of you guys know, I've, I've spoken here before. So um, six years ago for about two and a half or three years, I had had a uh, really weird nerve thing that happened in my head that just left me in excruciating pain. And I'm gonna tell you, as I walked that season, there was a lot of waiting. Like I was waiting to be healed. I was waiting to get to a doctor's appointment. I was waiting for a new drug to make me better. I was waiting. And in that waiting, I asked a lot of questions. I got weary, I, but there was a lot of waiting. But also through that waiting, I got to an intimacy level with my Lord that I had never had before. And so as I slowly, got, I slowly started to get better, then I thought my dreams were coming true. I started a motivational speaking company called Joy Sprinkle and Jody. So I was talking at conferences, I was at women's brunches, I was at mops groups. I'm gonna tell you, March 2020, my big gig was coming. I was gonna talk in front of 600 people. I was like, mm, my prayers are being answered. I'm gonna get me to Sunday and then boom, everything's gonna happen. My life's gonna happen. My dreams are coming true, right? Well, you know what happened on Saturday in March, 2020? The whole world shut down. And I was like, no, like why? Like tomorrow, 600 people, like that's my gig. That was just like COVID, wait one more day. And guess what it didn't? 
So then I was like, why? I worked so hard. I like, this was my dream, God, why? So anyway, again, what do you do during COVID? But you stay home and you get, so we did puzzles and I just continued to dig deeper and deeper with my Lord. And then last year I got blindsided by a divorce and there was a lot of whys in the waiting. But I'm gonna tell you every struggle I fought was preparation for my next season. And I realized that there's purpose in our pain, even when we don't like it. I mean, if you think about Jesus on the cross, he suffered a horrible death. Why do we think as Christians that we would suffer any less? They're suffering. But I will tell you one thing that I've realized is that God would not keep you in a season if there wasn't a harvest for you in the next. And I'm ready for my harvest. So this morning, we're gonna walk through our W's. We're gonna walk through our wilderness. We're gonna walk through that he's gonna give us a word and then he's gonna point us on our way. So what does your wilderness look like? Everybody has a wilderness. Like, what are you walking through that's hard for you, that's difficult, that's a struggle, that's painful? And in your wilderness, are you worrying? Are you just simply waiting or wishing things away? Are you getting weary? Do you sit and ask why? Or are you gonna worship your way through your wilderness? Because I'm, I, you know what? Let's think about them Israelites, you guys. Moses freedom. They went to the promised land. I'm gonna tell you, they, when they wandered in the wilderness, if you ever look at a map, that trip should have taken like a week and a half, two weeks. I mean, obviously a guy was in charge. They didn't ask for directions. But like, he, like it shouldn't have taken that long. But for 40 years, they were stuck. They were stuck because they took their eyes off God and they started to grumble. And I'm gonna tell you, I felt like in my life, I started doing that same thing. And I found myself so many times after my divorce, I would get in my car because that was my safe zone. I'd go park in this parking lot and I could sing and I could cry and I could scream and I can ask questions and you know, nobody would see me except for the occasional walker by and I'm like, <laughs> they're like looking at me like, should like, no, she's good, okay. I have a dance in Jesus on my dash. So they're like, oh, she's just praising the Lord. It's okay, it's okay. So anyway, I mean, you gotta love dancing Jesus. You take the corners and he's like, anyway. Anyway, so I go to my car, that was my safe zone. So one day I was, I was crying, I was like, I just need to turn, because when I feel bad, I gotta praise, I gotta get my music on. And so I, I turned the radio on, and again, a song came on, which I've heard a hundred times, I've sang it, I knew all the words, but all of a sudden it, it came alive to me, and it's called Stand in Your Love. It says, when darkness rolls over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy that I own, when my brokenness and pain are all I know, I will not be shaken because my fear will not stand a chance if I stand in your love. So you know what? That became my anthem. And I will say that anthem even when I don't feel it because I've got to praise my way through the wilderness. I have to rest in Christ's sufficiency and stand in his love. And I had to stop letting the circumstances of my life start to affect my faith, which it can so easily do. So here I was, 46. I never worked full time because I was just a stay-at-home trophy wife taking care of kids. So anyway, I was 46. I've never worked full time. I've never made a single house payment. I've never managed my own money and I've never taken care of myself. And so here I was hurled into a life that I did not prepare, that I did not feel like I was prepared to live. My life felt um, as foreign to me as a country I've never visited before. But I'm gonna tell you, 
I got a quote one day that said, the storm that was sent to break you is gonna be the storm that God uses to make you. And I decided that I would say that over and over and over until I felt it. So we must praise our way through the storms. But as I was in this new season of life, I was really confused on how God would use me because like I'm on stage, I'm a volunteer, I like to serve people and serve food and serve. And I'm like, how I cannot serve right now because I am too broken and busted. I cannot, there's no way that God would ever use me in this season of my life. So I felt like my heart had been ripped out of my chest, shattered into a million pieces and the wind blew it away. And I thought, how, how would he ever use me? So if some of you guys go to 1030 service, y'all know like I'm front row girl, right? Because I'm gonna tell you a couple, couple reasons. Number one, worship music lights me on fire. Like it gets my soul ready for my Jesus time. Number two, I can't sing. So the closer I stand to these speakers, the louder, it's like me and Jeremy. It's like our Sonny and Cher moment, you know, like we have, well, that's good because nine o'clock nobody laughs. So I was like, well, maybe I'm old and nobody realizes who Sonny and Cher is. So thanks for being old in the crowd. Thank you, I appreciate it. There's some oldies like me. Kids, Google it later. Not now, but just like Google it later. So anyway, so I have to stay in front row and I'm, I'm a clapper, I'm a pre, I'm, I move, I just, like I have to, because for me, that's how I get ready. So it was about six or eight weeks after my divorce. I might've been here in my pajamas, I, whatever. So I got done with service and I was getting ready to pick up my bag and I had this beautiful young woman from Revision here walk up to me and she says, I, I need to introduce myself to you. And I said, okay. She says, well, my name's Paige. I said, well, Paige, it's nice to meet you. And she says, you know, I've, I've seen you talk here a couple times. Um, but she says, I, like I sit in the back and I see you a front row by yourself all the time. And like, you don't care what anybody thinks of you. And I am going through struggles right now and hard times, but I just, like, I just want to be around you because whatever you got, I want it. And I looked at Paige and I said, girl, I said, Mm. I said, I'm fighting the hardest season of my life right now. And she looked me in the eye and she said, I couldn't tell. So God showed me. As she gazed upon me, she saw the spirit moving in me and she didn't notice my wounds. And that's how God would use me amidst my brokenness. We must praise our way through, stand in his love, but I had to step back and let him lead. And so, Again, a new season of life started for me was loneliness. I started, I was, I was studying the book of Matthew at that time and it was talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was, you know, had to go to the cross. So it, say, it said as Jesus prayed with such vicious force that his sweat turned to blood. Like he was praying so hard and he said, Father, take this cup from me. Like I know what I have to do tomorrow, but I don't wanna do it. And God went silent. And in that moment, Jesus felt bitter loneliness. Because Jesus being fully human yet fully divine, while he was out teaching and preaching, when he would get tired, he would go off to be in the presence of his father. He would get filled up to be with him and be filled so that he could then humanly go back out and do what his father called him to do. But in that night in that garden was silence and Jesus felt alone. It made me realize that Jesus has felt every emotion that I too have felt. And it actually brought me peace, knowing he has felt heartbreak and bitterness and pain. It gave me hope for me. And that's how I continue to walk through my wilderness. 
So as we walk through my wilderness, then we got a word. I'm gonna tell you, I did not want this word. I wanted an easy word, like joy, hope, love, like something fluffy and fun, right? And God's like, yeah, no, we're gonna work on obedience. I'm like, oh, I don't like that word. I don't wanna do it. And he's like, mm-hmm. So you know, you have to agree with God. So anyway, so to be obedient means to die to self. Who wants to die to self? I'm like, Lord, I'm busted, I'm broken, my heart's broke, I'm trying to live this new life and you want me to be obedient? Yeah, okay, that sounds awesome. Because I literally felt like I was walking around with a cloud on my head with a blindfold like and slipping on a banana peel. I mean, that's kind of how I felt like my life was going. Like I felt like I lived in that all the time. And then one day, of course, as I decided to open up my Bible, funny good things happen in here. Open it up, Second Chronicles 2015. It says, do not be discouraged, the battle's not yours. And I was like, oh, maybe God's telling me, Jody, why are you fighting? I'm gonna fight for you. And then he followed it with Exodus 14.4. Says, I'll fight your battles, you need only to be still. I'm like, okay, you're gonna fight for me because it's not my battle, but I need to remain still. And I'm so much, well, if this happens, then I could, and then let's see if I, if I say that or if I take my money, if I, t- 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 God's like, no, I need you to be obedient in your surrender to me. So as I started digging into this beautiful word of obedience, I ran into Elijah. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Elijah. Elijah was a faithful prophet in a time of adversity. His purpose was to oppose the wicked king Ahaz and to bring revival to the land. Elijah's life, however, though, was full of turmoil at times, but guess what? God called him to do huge things. And at times he was very bold and decisive, but yet full of question and fear. Sound familiar to anybody? Oh, just me and one girl in the front row, okay. I guess just me and you, babe. Okay. So as the spirit came upon Elijah, Elijah prophesied that there was gonna be a drought. But of course, of course, also warned by God, Elijah went and hid by a, a stream and God said, I'm gonna bring a raven to you who will feed you daily. Well, as the famine carried on, God told Elijah, I'm gonna send a widow to care for you. Okay. So I'm gonna read the passage from 1 Kings 17, seven through six. It says, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came upon him. He said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow to supply your food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little bit of water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and said, and, and, and please bring me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and some olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for me and myself and my son. And with that, die. Elijah said to her, ooh, do not be afraid. Go home and do as I have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me for what you have to for you have to bring it to me and then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour would not be used up and the jug of oil will not run out until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. So I'm gonna tell you after I studied that, I had a light bulb moment because my word of obedience 
turn to sacrificial obedience because that widow moved forward in doing now what would only make sense later. And I knew that I could trust God with my life to do that because the widow trusted. She never ran out of flour. So my life doesn't make sense. I don't know what the end result is, but I will move forward now knowing it will make sense later. So as I continue to study Elijah, you know, Elijah was provided for, but guess what? He had faith that wavered at times. So when we focus on the turmoil of our life, we take our eyes off God and we can become very discouraged. Elijah struggled with typical human weakness. However, God used him in mighty ways. So when we're attentive to God's voice and rely on him and move forward in obedience to his word, we can find encouragement, victory, and even revival. So we can use by God for his kingdom purpose. Simply must yield to him first. I don't know about you guys, but I could really relate to Elijah in this because guess what? God didn't remove him from the famine. Didn't give him a big storehouse and be like, all right, Elijah, down around the corner, you're gonna come to a barn that's gonna be full of grain and wheat and, you know, nope. He gave him a daily allowance. A daily allowance. It makes me think back again to that puzzle piece that's our life, one piece at a time. Because all we're guaranteed is right here, right now. That's what we're guaranteed. So God was working on Elijah, but he was training him and his servant. He was training him in faith, humility, submission, and obedience. So I'm here to tell you the strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts, but the strongest faith is one that grows through the doubt. God's resources were abundant through the eyes of faith. Do you have eyes of faith as you look through this world? But what I love the most about Elijah is the, the light that shone in and through Elijah was so much brighter than the darkness that surrounded him. And that's what we're called to do too. Because I don't, I don't know if you guys have gotten any memos or watched the news lately, but it's a little dark out there. It's a little dark out there. That's why it's us. We need to take that light and let it shine so bright. So no matter how hard your, wilder, your wilderness is, you must praise your way through. Now I've got, I've got a story for you guys and this is a good one. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. So December 22nd, I go to bed that night. I had gone to church with my son and I was like, Lord, you know, normally Christmas time, I'm, you know, so excited and ready for your baby to come in this manger. Just, you know, carve out some time these next couple days that I can really get into, you know, just really get ready, okay? So God's like, okay. And you know, we love God's sense of humor, don't we? So December 23rd, I wake up and I was like, ooh, it's a little chilly in here. <laughs> Go to the thermostat. And I'm like, that says 53 degrees. <laughs> so, you know me, I'm super, um, electrical and techie. So, you know, I'm like, I know there's batteries in here somewhere. No, batteries are new. Go down to the front, you know, I open the furnace door and I'm like, like, um, this is, I mean, it's not working. So, so anyway, I call like eight places. So you guys know it was freezing cold. It's the Friday before the holiday. Anyway, I call eight places. Nobody can get me in. So I call my oldest sister. She's kind of in the building industry, knows people, has connections. So I'm like, this would be a phone a friend moment. Sis, can you help me out? And she's like, yep, I need you to call modern heating and cooling. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm plugging modern heating and cooling. They put me on the list at the end of the day. And I said, that will be great. So she said, stay by your phone and stay at home because if we have a cancellation, we will scoot over right quick to get to you. I said, okay. So 10 hours later, Again, God, thank you for answering that prayer. I was thinking like maybe an hour or two in the morning, like I could spend some time with you, but instead God's like, no, let's give you 10 hours with no heat in front of a fireplace. I'm like, okay, God, you're funny, I got this. 
And I'm going to tell you, in those 10 hours, you guys, I was crying. I was praising. I was, because the year before I had just moved into my home, I got COVID. I didn't have my kids for Christmas. And I'm like, Lord, I have a Christmas tree this year and I have presents and now I have no heat. I was just feeling a little, oh, a little tired and weary is what I was. So anyway, I literally wrestled with God and praised him and cried and all day long. So at four o'clock that afternoon, my same sister calls me and says, hey, I just got a call from our Aunt Barb and Granny Shanny, who passed away a couple years ago. Um, we have an account that needs to be closed. You're gonna get a check next week for $360, but cash it right away because this has to be closed by the end of the year. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, Lord, 360 bucks. I'm gonna take it. This is good. So 6.15, my representative comes to my house. It's negative 17 degrees outside. And I'm thinking this guy is not probably gonna be very happy that I got tacked on at the end of the day and whatever. So sweet Jordan comes to the door and I was like, oh, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, ma'am, not a problem. Sweet boy, sweet boy. So of course he checks the thermostat and all, goes downstairs, plugs in this machine, starts making these faces. And I'm like, I can't afford a furnace. <laughs> He's like, good news, ma'am, you don't need a furnace. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And he's like, okay. Um, but what you do need, he's like, this is a small electrical furnace. Your heating elements burn out. We need a number two part. I never carry that part in my van because it's not common. So I'll have to go back it's after hours, holiday pay. So $250 to go get the part, um, then install um, time, service call. And so I'm like doing my math and I was like, maybe $600. I'm like, okay, I, can, I think I can afford that. So anyway, so he goes out to his van to check for the part. And I just sit on my stairs. I was like, Lord, I'm just gonna praise you because I am not buying a furnace right now. So just thank you, Lord Jesus. Like, thank you. So he walks in. He's like, lady, you're not gonna believe it. I accidentally grabbed a number two this morning. And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, nobody, because my God is good. And I've been praying all day. And he's like, okay, yep. And so like, this guy's probably thinking, this is probably one of them church girls. Wait, did I see the, the, the Jesus on the dash? This is, is that her? Yeah, anyway. So anyway, he goes downstairs. Five minutes later, bada boom, bada bing. Furnace kicks on. He comes up and he's explaining to me in all these terms. And all I know is my furnace is working and it's not gonna cost me, you know. So he, he, he gets in the iPad and he slides it around and he says, okay, we'll sign this. And, that, and I looked at it and I said, hmm, totals $360. He says, yeah, is that? Too? And I said, do you know at four o'clock I got a call that my late granny Shanny is gonna send me a check on Monday for $360. And he's just like, no way, lady, that's the, that's the price. And I was like, I know, my God is good. And he's like, mm, here we go. <laughs> hey, anytime I can take an opportunity to praise the Lord, I'm gonna praise the Lord. Anyway, so I signed the thing and I look at Jordan. I said, Jordan, it's kind of late on my heart. I need to give you a Christmas tip. And he's like, oh, well, ma'am, you don't have to. And I said, well, I just want to make sure it's not against like company policy because if it is, I don't want to get in trouble. And he's like, well, no, it's not. So it was laid on my heart. So I'm going to tell you, I went and I cleaned my wallet out and I just grabbed this wad and I took this and I put it in Jordan's hand and he looked at me and he started to tear up and he says, lady, are you for real? And I said, I am Jordan. He goes, you have no idea how bad I need this right now. And I said, yeah, I do because my God is good. <laughs> he goes, I keep hearing that. And I was like, well, I'm just saying. So he took that money and he put it in his wallet and he says, you have a Merry Christmas. He says, I'm gonna call all weekend. If anything happens, let me know. Well, it's still working great. And Granny Shanny paid for it. So, mm, right? But in those 10 hours, you guys, I did. I sat, I asked questions and I waited. But then I started worshiping my way through and God bless my obedience. So now that we've walked through the wilderness and the word, now we're gonna go on our way. 
trying to go the right way, the side of heaven, it's a little tricky sometimes, I started struggling with comfort. Nothing in my life was comfortable. So one day, front row, praying during the song, and I was like, I need comfort, Lord. Lord, grant me comfort. So Mike's brother, James, stands up. He's like, we're gonna be talking about comfort today. I'm like, again, thank you for answering so quickly. I'm liking these lightning bolt prayers. But then guess what? It wasn't answered in the way I thought it was going to be. So then James started talking and he says, where are you seeking comfort from? Are you seeking worldly comfort? And as he went on, he talked about that pain produces purity, but worldly comforts can produce compromise. Worldly comforts sometimes can be gift wrapped presents from the devil that can deter us from God. And I'll tell you, God is more interested in us being prepared than us being comfortable. Mm, I didn't like that statement. Comfort isn't a solution to seek. Rather, it's a byproduct we reap the closer we are to God. So storms rage on, and they always will. But we must praise our way through and stand in his love. If it wasn't for the struggle, I wouldn't have the strength. And God is building you even when you feel like he's breaking you. I was reading John 9, one through seven one night. Again, another verse I've read a hundred times. And Jesus is walking with his disciples and they come upon a blind man from birth. And he's sitting there. And they say, so Jesus, this, what's this, why, this guy's been blind from birth. Was it the sin of his father? Was it his sin? Why is he, you know? And Jesus says, neither. And with that, he spit on the ground and made mud and wiped it on the blind man's eyes. And the blind man saw for the first time in his life. And this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And his suffering was placed on him for a reason. He was handpicked to display the work of God. And through his story, Jesus was shining the light of truth and hope for others to see. Jesus brought healing out of that man's brokenness. And that day when I read that, I realized that my pain, my heartache, my struggle, my wilderness, all of my suffering and brokenness are for God to be glorified and glory alone. Because God delayed me at times so he could display me later. And every time I failed and fell short, I got closer to God and he took everything that I thought that would kill me and instead used it to resurrect and he can do the same for you. So as we continue to walk this side of heaven, we will walk through wilderness, we will suffer, and we will wait on many things. But you must worship while you wait. You guys, you must rest in his sufficiency, and you must stand in his love. Will you pray with me? Lord, search our hearts and examine our lives. Help us to grip firmly to the truth that you've written in your word. Help us to understand, God, that you are not a God who picks on us, but rather a father who handpicked us to bring you glory and honor and praise no matter the storm that rages in your life. So Lord, let us rely on faith, patience, and wisdom to trust your provisions, method, and timing.